Greetings, and welcome to Season 2 of the Loaded Cart Podcast. Join us as we go on a magical journey through the craziness that is video games and the gaming industry. In this week's episode, we talk about one of Paul's favorite games, Game Dev Tycoon. Damn you all games. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome once again to the Loaded Card Podcast. It's time once again to put on our game developer hats. Well, let's be honest, we critique them all the time anyway. It's time for Game Dev Tycoon. I'm Paul of What's Paul Playing Today, and with me as always is Dan, otherwise known as Chop the Viking. What's up, dude? Not much, man. How's it going? Eh, you know, trying to buy a house. It's rather <laughs> annoying. Yeah, buying a house is definitely annoying. Yeah. 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 I've I've done it <laughs> twice. I just, I got nothing, dude. I'm just <laughs> I'm frustrated, but I don't want to bleed that out into the podcast. Uh it's alright, man. I know. I know how it is. Like, because yes, I've bought two houses, but that also means that I have failed to buy like 10 other ones. <laughs> because, uh, I think this is that's my, how it always goes. I think this is my fifth one that I failed to buy so far. Yeah, but just not the right one yet. It's fine. We'll see. Uh, like, I mean, I think the, the fact that they're still at the negotiating table means that they're not ready to just be like, fuck you. Pardon my language. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. All right. What have you been playing lately? Um, Let's see. So with uh, my... I, I'm stepping onto a plane tomorrow to head to Vegas, so I'll be playing a lot of my Switch. And I've been playing Tales of Asperia, which was uh, in the Tales series. If you're familiar with Tales of Symphonia, Tales of XYZ, there's a huge series of them. This is one of them that came out originally in like uh, 20, uh, 2016 on Xbox 360 and the last generation consoles. Might have been earlier than that. I don't remember. Either way, this is de- this is the definitive edition, the the super remake that uh, that came out uh, that a some better HD textures, stuff like that. And they just ported it to Switch. Been playing that, obviously Overwatch, the usual. And in preparation for the amazing HD remake of Resident Evil 2, I've been playing Resident Evil HD Remaster. I know that Resident Evil 2, the remake, is out, but I've been playing the remaster because I'm I'm, I'm absolutely excited for that. Yeah. I've heard good things about the remake of Resident Evil 2. So it's funny when I was when I was streaming the uh, remaster, one of the pe- like person came in chat. I was like, "Oh, it's awesome!" With all the hype for the remaster or the remake, uh, that the, the uh, it's great to see someone playing this classic. I'm like, "Did you not like the remake?" And they're like, "No, I fucking hated it." Th- that was their words, not mine. And I was like, "Huh? I have heard nothing but good things. I'm really sorry yeah. that you're disappointed in it." Yeah, the there's actually like a partial controversy surrounding it right now too because. Uh think it was ign i'll ha- i'd have to find it uh but they they posted a review of the game and mm-hmm. the the guy complained that the like there's a kind of a plus mode playthrough you can do once you beat the game that has yeah. new stuff in it okay uh and played from a different perspective sure. so basically like one of the what's his name leo leon leon 
Leon, Leon Kennedy. Like, yeah, there's there's Leon's perspective that's the first thing you play through, and, and then Claire's perspective. Yeah, and then there's a whole second like half of the game that's completely different, and from yeah her perspective. Yeah, and Claire. what's funny is apparently this guy played through the game and then accidentally replayed through Leon's stuff as Claire. Oh, and, and he trashed the game and complained that like, yeah, they claimed all of this stuff, but really it's the same exact puzzles and the so same exact monsters. <laughs> and they had to like retract his review, uh, adjust the score and update it. <laughs> <laughs> it's that's it's funny. Pretty, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah, that's pretty yeah, great. The Rooster Teeth guys on the know were laughing about it a lot. Oh, I'm sure. Like they, because they, they openly mock things when they find them to be stupid. Oh, yeah. and they, they openly mock themselves when they screw oh, things sure. up. It's it's hilarious. They've been doing it a lot lately. Yeah, I've also been playing uh, PUBG a lot lately, and I'm I I know I I've been extolling the virtues of their uh, fixed PUBG campaign, and actually that they did a lot to fix it and i'm still consistently impressed with how much they've done to fix it i mean there's still yeah. there's still cheaters here and there that we've that i've run into with uh seven days dan um as you do yeah i like you do other than that ooh, well if i can't remember it it's not important <laughs> overwatch i mean of course i mean i I, th- I mentioned that earlier i said of course i was playing overwatch uh i, I missed that part i glossed Paul, over Paul, it because it's it's a given yeah paul is mr overwatch so yeah I, I I generally will stream it Monday through Friday unless I'm doing something special like Resident Evil or Sea of Thieves. You've been playing Sea of Thieves. I, th- that's a good point. I did play Sea of Thieves in my crew, my uh, my FIFA crew. Um, we've been playing Sea of Thieves because it's been surprisingly hilarious to play. Yeah, uh, it was so, on the. So if you do, you already own it. I already own it because I okay. bought it when it came out. Or prior, so, just prior to it coming out, I think. So, so with the the Xbox Game Pass is also crossplay, which mm-hmm. means you can play any Xbox like Xbox crossplay compatible game. You can play it on Windows, and it was for a dollar la- this month. So I was like, okay, it's a dollar. I'll play Sea of Thieves. Nice. I will play Sea of Thieves for a dollar. <laughs> yeah, like like I said, they they've done a lot to update it. Uh, I said it in the last episode that like my main gripe is that is that I tend to have weird connection issues with it, which doesn't make any sense. Cause I shouldn't. Right. Uh, but yeah, if you have friends, it is a fantastic game because there's just no end of the shenanigans you can get into. <laughs> there is a lot. There is a lot of shenanigans. Like we, um, I, I, I can, if you want to post some of the, uh, the clips from my stream and in, in the show notes, uh, we, at one point were just kind of, dancing in the middle of the of the boat and like yeah this is what sea of thieves is all about yeah <laughs> and then ran into a couple of guys on one of the uh the hub islands and basically yeah. we just kind of like let's let's exchange uh let's exchange achievements like shoot me in the back of the head with a blunderbuss yeah because that's one of the achievements if you shoot somebody in the back of the head it's a um uh, i can't remember what it was called In- ignoring the rules of engagement is what that it's is. called because it's just uh being a cowardly act to kill somebody from behind and we yeah. all got drunk and puked on each other yeah, the, so one of the things the game has that's kind of entertaining is it has a series of musical instruments, mm-hmm. and there's like three or four of them, I think. Um, but much like Ultima Online back in the day, as more people play instruments, they sync up and make us more and more coherent and in-depth song. Yep. But what makes it hilarious is the drunker you are, the crazier the song gets. <laughs> 
the drunker you are the poorer you play <laughs> and, the, and it gets really really funny to do stuff like that they just added like little easter eggs in there that are kind of entertaining but yeah it's kind of great and the, it's definitely the, definitely a game that is better with friends yes and, absolutely and that's because, the hard part about games like that and they've actually made it a lot harder to play solo which is unfortunate so the thing with that is is that you can only crew you can really only crew the sloop solo yes so it's it's a two-man you can crew up to two people in that one you go up to the brigantine next with which is up to three and then the what i don't remember what the third one is the galleon maybe i might might be the other way around it might be galleon then brigantine either way you can crew two three or four depending on the size of your ship yeah and it feels like at the fourth level you it still feels like you're not enough crew yeah you could for it'd be a pain in the butt but you could pilot the other two solo it just it would be you you would spend a lot of time running back and forth between sails it is theoretically possible but it's not advised and you're not going to be able to see anything no not at all not unless you have the uh the sails raised to the point where it's not there's no point in doing it anyway yeah and Um, and not that you know people probably need this tip with the sloop but if you're if you're piloting it at solo, you can let go of the the wheel, and if you turn around and walk to the railing and look down, you can see the map. You can see the map, yeah. You don't have to actually go down below deck to check where yep. you are on the map and if you're lined up for things or not. Like, which it's, it's which a was a which is the worst feature about the Brigantine and Galleon because yes. you can't do that, and that's really frustrating because you have to rely on somebody else to do it for you. Yes, that's I think part of what makes it fun is the fact that the person steering can't see the map and can't, can't see. see in front of the boat <laughs> yeah so you, so you have to rely on everybody you have to have someone telling you where to turn and how much to turn and then someone else letting you know whether or not you're on target for the island you're supposed to be going to and like i like the teamwork aspect of that that's yeah. actually one of the things that it's... i want to play the uh star trek bridge commander with the, oh, the oculus rift like because that just sounds really really fun of note, you can actually play that without the rift. Yeah, yeah you can play I, that just in a monitor, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I will I, say I want to play with the rift because that just sounds more fun. I, I <laughs> love the idea of the team aspect of the game as long as your friends aren't drunk off their ass. I would think that would make it more fun. Uh, you sink and a from, lot. Or, well, yeah, I would totally <laughs> expect you to sink a lot. Like That's half the point, right? Uh, no. <laughs> the point is to be pirates, not shitty pirates. There's a difference. Yeah, uh, whatever. What are you <laughs> playing, dude? All right, I've basically been playing two games recently. Uh, one of them is a mobile game. Uh, we've talked about a a very similar game because it's made by the same guy. Mm-hmm. which he's a solo developer uh he made the uh was it last days on earth was yep. the the survival game that we played for a little while but he made a medieval version that's called grim soul survival mm-hmm. and it's it's definitely you know making homages to dark souls you know very it's, very heavy handily blatant yeah <laughs> it, it's a reskin of his previous game with a few added new features yeah it mostly a reskin because there's a lot of stuff that it doesn't have and a lot of stuff that it does differently 
um yeah. especially with the base building stuff but i've had a lot more fun with it and it's grindy because you have to like grind up materials to get your levels because stuff is spaced yep. out so far apart but mm -hmm. it hasn't been annoying grindy yet yeah it i didn't find it super fun but i'd be interested in doing co-op versions of it yeah but yeah i mean it's just it's been fun to goof around with i i play it maybe 30 minutes a day just like i'll pop it up use up all my energy and then won't touch it till the next day that's fair it's like yeah, I got my got my fix. This is good. Fair but then the next game I've playing been playing leads into our first news story. Indeed, because I've been playing a lot of Elite Dangerous, <laughs> and there's a reason for this. And there's a big event going on in Elite Dangerous right now uh, that is a expedition that ha was put together by a bunch of players and it's a bunch of players that put it together there's there's a staff like it's a couple hundred wasn't it? no it's it's there's probably about a dozen people that are planning and organizing it okay. uh because it is the first event that's been done that is for all three platforms the game is on so there's mm -hmm a group that's organizing and running the PC players. There's a splinter group that's organizing and running the Xbox one players. And then another one that's doing the PlayStation four players. Right. Um, but it's a sequel event. So about two years ago, almost three years ago, uh, there was a expedition that was called distant worlds. Right. And I remember that it is actually, uh, so it was done as a group of players getting together to follow the footsteps of a previous expedition that was done that was called Distant Stars. And Distant Stars, the guy decided to go to this location in the game, which we've actually talked about on the podcast before, called Beagle Point, which right. at the time, it was the furthest possible system you could get to from earth and it's 65,700 and something light years from earth which is mm -hmm. really freaking far yes. considering at the time in the game the maximum jump range for a ship was in the neighborhood of 41 light years if you stripped everything down to bare bones yeah now it's what 500 or something like that no uh 80 something is the highest okay um so almost double since then. Yes. The actually I might be able to tell you. Let me see if it actually says it in here. I think it just says average in here. Do you have Elite Dangerous up right now? I do not have Elite Dangerous up. Okay. I, I have the I have the <laughs> distant, I have the Distant Worlds 2 fleet statistics okay. spreadsheet up. <laughs> no, Fair the enough. high it's 84.21 light years is the highest jump range in the thing but with the way engineering and stuff works now every ship in the game can get a jump range above 40 light years so every ship in the game can get a jump range higher than the ships that were used in distant worlds one hmm. so because they're doing this and because a lot of you know people are like oh that's cool and they're doing two things that are generally if you're doing exploration in Elite Dangerous, there are like two big bucket list things that you do if you're an explorer. 
you go to Sagittarius A, which is the giant black hole in the middle of the our galaxy. Yeah. And you go to Beagle Point, which is the opposite side of the galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what they're doing. They're going to Sagittarius A and then they're going Beagle to Point. Beagle Point. 13,000 players signed up for the expedition. I did not. No. <laughs> I I almost did not, but I I was looking into it cuz they they I mean there are manuals and guidebooks that they made custom for this trip. Uh and they're organizing it like there are different roles in the trip. There's like mechanics and fuelers and miners mm -hmm. and fleet security and like all kinds of like you sign up for a role i'm actually signed up for photography and as a fleet mechanic nice because i wanted to take a whole bunch of screenshots and i have been taking a whole bunch of screenshots and if nice. you want to see a lot of them they're actually i'm posting them on instagram because i don't do anything with instagram so yeah I, why not I, might as well use it for something yeah chop, chop the viking on instagram woo uh, <laughs> shameless plug wow um, so the they started in this system called Polini, uh which is about 200 light years from earth then they're going to sagittarius a and then they're going to beagle point and are you familiar with a road race called gumball run or the gumball 3000 i've heard it but i'm not as familiar so yeah. for treat me like i'm one of the listeners here so to to explain how this expedition works, uh, so I'm pretty sure there was an episode of Jackass where they entered like this beat up ass crappy van to the Gumball Three Thousand. Okay, um, it, it was either them or Viva La Bam. It might be Viva La Bam now that I think about it, because it sounds like Bam Margera would you know buy Absolutely an expensive ass car and do it, and then make all of his friends take a crappy van. Uh, Seems right. Yes. So. Basically, what the Gumball 3000 is, is it's a road race that happens every year in Europe and a bunch of rich ass people get together and they, you know, take a month off of work or something like that. And then they race for 3000 miles, but it's mm -hmm. broken up into stages. So kind of like, you know, the Tour de France and, you know, bike races and stuff like that. So basically day one, they're like, all right, we're going to drive from Paris to Normandy. And they're like, you know. Get to Normandy as fast as you can, and we're gonna have a big party in Normandy tonight. Sure, go. And they like you know, literally, will you know have someone start them, and they all take off, and they exceed the speed limit and get tickets and do all kinds of ridiculousness. And you know, that night everyone gets to Normandy and they have a big party. And then the next day they're like, "All right, cool, we're going from Normandy to Berlin. See you guys in Berlin." And they they do the same thing. So that's what they're doing with Distant Worlds too is they're breaking down this trip into 5,000 light year segments. So you have a week-ish normally between waypoints. And they're like, all right, cool. You have a week to make it to the next 5,000 light years. And I, what made me finally do it was looking up the fact that a, a ship with a 40 light year jump range takes about two hours to go... 5,000 light years. So I was like, I can do that. I, I can put two hours a week into the game. Like, I, to do this, like, that sounds yeah, fine. It seems like a, it's like a night of streaming and then you can do, go do something else you want to. Exactly. But 
what I've been doing is taking my time and like there's they they've been breaking it down and po posting maps of like, hey, here, here are some cool sites you can see along the way. So I've been stopping at each one and, and checking them out. And uh, one of the more funny ones we were talking a little bit before the show started, uh, there's one called The View, which is it's a system and it's got a big star and a uh, what's a pulsar, which are very dangerous to go near um but it's got this planet not very far away from the the sun that it's a a terrestrial planet so you can land on it but it's got a giant ring system in it and everything's pink and it looks all crazy and so it's like one of the things you do is you land there and you kind of like drive out and you take a picture of these crazy pink rings and this pink planet and the sun in the background. And it just, you know, it looks cool and it's called the view. Uh, but what most people don't Does think it about have four really annoying people on it. No, okay. it's a different, different the view. I understand. It has a bunch of corpses on it though. Apparently <laughs> I uh, wish they were. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> So the thing about the view is if you think about science at all, uh, most planets that have a giant ring have a giant ring because they're, you know, huge gas giants that, you know, have a lot of mass and they're able to keep all of that debris in a tight uniform orbit. Except this is like a little planet that's smaller than Earth that has this giant ring system. And you're just like, this looks ridiculous as you're landing on it. and if you're not paying attention, it's got, you know, like three, almost four times the gravity of Earth and people aren't paying attention to it. So more than 30 people have died <laughs> on this trip in the first day <laughs> on just because <laughs> trying to land on the view because they're like, all right, cool. I'm just going to come in for a gentle landing. And they don't realize Crunch. they're going like, you know, 150 meters a second into the planet and they blow up and I might have to see if I can find it, but there's a, a guy who posted a YouTube video where he just parked on the planet near the visitor's beacon because there's like a little beacon to land at that gives you like the best view of the, the sun in the background and like all of that stuff. And uh, he <laughs> he just parked there and like made a montage of people crashing into the crunch, planet crunch, blowing crunch. up. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's that's beautiful. I almost did. I I like, you know, went down to I wasn't paying attention, but I managed to slow down enough that like my hole went down to like 45% like when right. I hit the ground. Like I, right. I smacked it pretty good. But I was able to repair myself because I'm a fleet mechanic and I brought a repair limpet controller and some limpets. So I just sent out the robots to repair my ship. Nice. Nice. But one of the fun things about this event is that Frontier is like supporting it the company that makes elite dangerous and yeah. they have a series of in-game events planned for like to coincide with it. So like this first waypoint mm -hmm. uh, I've actually had more than an extra week to catch up because they had a community goal at the system that they stopped at where they were mining stuff to their part of the thing is they're going to build a space station at Sagittarius A so that people right. that are flying there can like, you know, land and refuel and repair in the middle of the galaxy and blah, 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 blah. So sure. they mined all of the resources to go towards Sagittarius A this past weekend. Mm -hmm. 
and so normally when they make a community goal, there are like seven or eight tiers that they that they do for a for a community goal. Right. They hit tier eight in the first day of the community goal because there are so many players in this system, <laughs> and nice. they have nothing better to do than to help. Um, nice. nice. So they kept adding tiers and i think eventually they completed tier 11 which is like you know they're each tier is exponentially more work than the one before it <laughs> um but the other funny thing that happened is that uh more than ten thousand people showed up for the beginning of the event and they all tried to jump out of polini for the first at the same time <laughs> <laughs> and the, the servers probably probably melted and went offline. <laughs> okay. I was wondering how many people crashed. No, no the server crashed. No yeah. one else crashed. Yeah, just clearly. The server. the server just was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm out. Yeah, it, it took them like an hour and a half to get the server back online, and they had all kinds of connection <laughs> problems that night. It was it was fantastic. I bet. Uh, but there's there's some really cool stuff that's been going on surrounding it too that's been really weird because like they've been getting lots of news coverage for for it because nice. it is the largest in-game event in the history of mmos which yep. is very bizarre but kind of cool yeah. um i mean previously the, the largest one was like a, a, a wedding in world of warcraft that got raided and a lot of people died if i remember correctly uh well there's been some stuff in, in uh eve online that have been like you know huge battles oh, that right, involve right. thousand players but you know, this is 13,000 people, which is absolutely ridiculous. But yeah, it's uh, mad. But one of the interesting things is there are scientific journals that have covered it as a news story. Like there's one that's, that's awesome. called New Scientist, I think. And it actually made it into their print edition for this month, which is uh, bonkers. But yeah. one of the other cool things, and we'll kind of we'll post this in the show notes. Uh, the an astronaut named Chris Hatfield who, or Hadfield if you are mm -hmm. uh, unfamiliar with Chris Hadfield he is the was the commander of the International Space Station for a while and he's the guy who recorded music videos of himself playing songs with an acoustic guitar and you know very kind of famously did the David Bowie cover of uh uh Space Oddity on mm -hmm. the International Space Station floating in a tin can yeah know? yeah in zero g uh but he wrote a letter of encouragement to the guy who organized distant worlds and distant worlds too and uh and to all of the people participating but directly to him and it says you know like dear dr kai which is his in-game name i don't know if he's actually a doctor or not i have no idea <laughs> but for the sake of argument we'll say yes yeah on behalf of all space explorers, past, present, and future, I wish you and every crew member in the Elite Dangerous Fleet a challenging, fulfilling, and ultimately successful voyage across the galaxy. Sorry, galaxy. Per Ardua Ad Astra, Chris. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, so, like, just the weird little things that kind of, you know, have spun up around it are kind of cool. Uh, and, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm going to have fun with it for the next 20-ish weeks or so at least i'm sure so probably be talking about this in december when i'm finally <laughs> <get> back. <laughs> nice uh, nice but yeah there's also uh 
some cool stuff like someone made a there, there's like an official logo for it like distant worlds and distant worlds mm-hmm. too but someone made a mission patch and they've commissioned mission patches to be made and i might have ordered one okay you know because i mean i've I mean, awesome. <laughs> let's be honest here if i have an overwatch jacket, an overwatch league jacket for the la valiant a bunch of overwatch merchandise i can't like i even bought the freaking pip boy for crying out loud i can't yeah. fault you for getting a mission patch yeah but like i'm also debating on getting a flight jacket and putting the mission patch on it for why fun. not why not i just think it'd be funny uh but yeah so next bit of news yeah um you, you love this news and it's i fantastic. really did i think it's hilarious and i love every bit of this because one the game itself is surprisingly entertaining like yeah. you, it's it's in really surprisingly engaging you don't expect something like this to be engaging but here we are farming simulator 19 now has an official esports league yep they're developing a new 3v3 game mode a full league complete with a world championship at FarmCon with up to 250,000 as that uh pound sterling euros Euros. up for grab in the prize pool yep I honestly it's, don't think we need to comment on that much. Yeah, I really well, don't. It speaks for itself. Apparently, last year they did kind of like a prototype of the league, and and now they're like, okay, cool. We we have it. We have some ideas. We know what we want to do, and they're apparently they're they're doing some kind of special three v three game mode that they're making. Like, sure, why not? We'll put the press release in the show notes because the press release is kind of funny. But yeah, I I love the fact that you're like how how would you do a farming simulator you know what i'm not even e-sport. questioning it like i'm not even questioning it, it. I'm, I'm in for this like I'm, i want to watch in. it because it sounds interesting yeah like i'm not even questioning any of that like i don't know how they're gonna do it i don't care i'm just i'm in yeah. i'm i'm in like sign me to write the hell up i'm in <laughs> well we'll have to find out when the first one happens and we'll have to watch it and review it we'll, we'll yes. do so it's an episode yes so mark, mark our words right now future episode reviewing the farm simulator esports yes sold 100 i'm in like, like you don't need that to t- you don't have to tell you anymore i'm, I'm like i'm on board all you right got, you had me at hello <laughs> nice all right we have two wtf things to talk about here do we want to do uh more more wtf bethesda or do we want to <laughs> <laughs> let's 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 leave let's leave activision for now I'm, i want to talk about bethesda real quick right. drew i'm sorry if we lose you as a listener but we're gonna do a little bit more bethesda bashing right now well it, and so, that, <laughs> that, so the thing is like listen to the most recent episodes of hops and heroes and drew talks about how much he actually enjoys fallout 76 and, and he hates the, like he hasn't been having you know fun listening to people bash on it and like i want to say that yes we have not played fallout 76 I'm not bashing Fallout 76. Like none no, of our Bethesda. yeah, none of our our discussion that we've been having has been, you know, Fallout 76 is terrible. It's bad. <laughs> you should never play it. I think Bethesda has been just had the, having this massive series of just like, what are you doing? Moments. Yes. And every time they try to improve something, like it somehow manages to go horribly wrong, and it gets worse. And it's just like, it's just like, come on, dude. We know you guys can do better than this. Like, why are, is this going? And 
some of it may just be that they're just there's such a huge spotlight on them right now that like stuff like this has happened in the past and no one cares but like there's it's just so prominent right now that it's like and I think people are just, you know, they're fed up with a lot of the just weird stuff going on in the game industry right now that it's just yeah. like people are willing to put companies on blast even more than they normally do. Like, I don't like I don't know. But so you've yeah. seen the meme for Bad Luck Brian, right? I don't know. Okay, so Bad Luck Brian is the guy who's smiling. He's He's got a goofy look on his face and is always like he tries to do something nice and then everything goes wrong. Bethesda yeah. is bad luck, Brian. I having not played Fallout seventy six and having no interest or intent to play Fallout seventy six. I got nothing. Like I'm, I, I have nothing against it. I'm not going to play it. I don't want to bash it. I want to bash Bethesda for doing. Yeah. What are you doing? And I have the same stance on Fallout seventy six that I've had since they announced it, which is I want to play it. Like I am interested in it. I think it's a great idea. I would like to play the game on principle. I am not buying the game until two things happen. Private servers are released because that's one of the things that they promised when they talked about the game. 20 bucks. Community mods are available. Okay. Because they said the the two things that they promised when they announced the game were that there would eventually be private servers and player-made community mods would be available for the game. They did, but have you noticed that their stance recently has been putting the kibosh on those? Well, because they're not officially supported yet, and the only way to get them in the game right now is to hack them in. But that's that's the stance I'm having. It's like, I'm watching the game. I'm seeing how things go. Some of this stuff is interesting. I would still love to play the game. But these are the things that are important to, to me for Bethesda games. Like well, one of the player mods are important to me for Bethesda games because let's face it, almost Bethesda's every game broken. Bethesda has ever made gets improved with player mods. Like they're just yeah. little like quality of life. Fallout 4, one of the best quality of life uh, mods for Fallout 4 that I, you install day one when you play Fallout 4 is one that tells you exactly what each of your res- four responses is going to say instead yes. of just a vague hinting yeah. of what it might say that it doesn't approval, actually say. sarcastic, disapproval. Yeah. And okay, sure. Yeah. That's what they're going to do. Yeah. So it's, but little things like that were just like little tweaks to the way the game works that m- improves them that for some reason. Bethesda is not going to do like that. That's what I want to see. I want to see the little mods like that. I don't care about the big crazy like, oh, hey, I can I can have a lightsaber in Fallout 4 and kill people instantly with it. Like, who cares? Like, I don't I don't care about a lot of that crazy stuff like I but there are genuine like, oh, here's improved shaders. Here's a you know, here's a reskin of like all of the stuff in the game to make it look Mm -hmm. better. Like, that's the stuff I want to see that isn't allowed right now. Yeah, and that's stuff that the community does a hundred times better than their store does. Like that's been one of the big critiques of uh, both the Skyrim store and the Fallout Four store is that a lot of the stuff there is basically there are free mods available that do the exact same thing, do, or do them it better, do them better, and look better. Yeah, and they're free. Yeah, and it's just like. 
that but again this is what i'm waiting for because when a company makes a promise like we are going to allow player mods eventually yeah i say cool i expect them to keep it let me know <laughs> like and that that's what will happen like eventually down the road if they if they have player mods available and they release and the private, private servers? servers like they say i'll play okay. the game and i'll probably play on the open servers too but these are two big features that were promised and if they don't show up i don't show up but i like i say i i'm still interested in the game i i want it to do well uh yeah and i i don't i don't hate on bethesda so much as i'm just disappointed in them because i know that they they are capable of doing better i know yeah. they've done better in the past yeah they put out horse armor but other than that oblivion was a masterpiece yeah and and they put out things in the past like trying to make jokes about horse armor and it's like dude just don't just stop just, just stop <laughs> please don't don't just... do that we know we know you screwed up we know you think it's a meme stop referencing it it, it is a meme but yep. it's not a meme you need to talk about yeah <laughs> yep but and the thing is that the, 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 the and i think that players are finding it insulting with the fact that they're embracing the broken game meme status and not really releasing a game that is 100 up to any sort of quality standard beyond hey you can play it yeah but i don't know like a lot of it feels like if they had called it early access they wouldn't have had half of these problems sure and but that's who who, who are we to say but the Hi, news Paul. Yeah, <laughs> the the news that to add to what was talked about last time is there's been a couple other crazy things that's been going on uh mm -hmm. first of all there's a a trend in a lot of bethesda games and i think in just a lot of games in general where they will the developers will put a workshop room in the game and they'll hide it somewhere where players just can't physically access it like it's somewhere off of the map that you know they can just teleport to and then teleport back or whatever and usually what they do is they put uh they put weapons in there, sometimes overpowered weapons. You know, they put in in some cases ways to learn all of the recipes in the game, yeah, know, stuff like that, so that they don't like when they're testing things, they can just like snap things off really quick and yep. and test it and be on their way. Well, people have found these in in some of the previous Bethesda games, like I think. The, they found the one in fallout 4 i i think there's been either skyrim or one of the other games they've found one in like it's mm -hmm. it's not nothing new like it's it's been found because people can you know they can clip through stuff in those games because they have access to console commands and they can teleport places and you know do all kinds of other crazy shenanigans yeah, to get access yeah. to them but players got access to the developers workshop room in fallout 76 which and, let's be honest here that's not supposed to happen because correct. one you really can't do cheats unless you're hacking yes. into it and and that is the thought that that i read or and heard about was that they were using some kind of third-party software and managed to get into it right uh but they also bethesda from the looks of it did not know how they got in like doesn't understand what broke that allowed them to get access and yeah as part of the thing is apparently they sent so they banned all the players that got access to it 
and then they basically sent them an email being like, hey, we will unban your account if you tell us how you got in, which, you know, doesn't sound good, but also may not actually be true because, you know, people can make stuff up to make a company look bad. Who knows? Right. But right. But people do know 100% there is video of people getting into the, the workshop and messing around with yeah. it. And there's been numerous articles showing the video yeah. of those things. And there is this t- kind of ties into the next thing where people have been selling in game loot and Fallout 76 on websites like eBay and stuff like that. And they'll sell like rare guns and armor and stuff for like some of them more than $10 a pop. Yeah. And they'll be like, hey, we have these these crazy, you know, machine guns and I have 30 of them for sale. And it's just like, yeah, someone's been in the developer room. Yep. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's funny. so and, and it's, you know. That is can kind of be attributed to because like I, the the guy that I heard that about from was uh, a guy who is an MMO developer and he's just like, you know, hey blizzard went through this you know 10 years ago and a lot of other mmo companies went through it and this is a new mmo for bethesda so they don't they haven't learned this lesson yet which is basically like i all of the good loot in world of warcraft is either bind on account or bind on pickup yep. like as soon as you pick it up you there is no you know there's no secondary market anymore yeah there's no secondary market and wow for weapons there there is for gold but yeah, like you, you can't go buy, you know, some super huge, awesome weapon of doom in World of Warcraft anymore because it's not possible to transfer that stuff to other people, right? But yeah, who knows? Like that's it's just kind of a, a funny thing that's cropped up. It's just like, okay, like it, and the important thing is like hopefully, but there's the you know sees the stuff and they kind of go like, God damn it, and then they fix it and they you know. They move on because you know that part of the testing of this game is like Starfield will pro- might have online multiplayer elements. Yeah, the Elder Scrolls Six will probably have you know online elements. All I want is an online like a like a four person squad Fallout game or a yeah. four person squad uh, Elder Scrolls game. That's all I've ever wanted. Yeah. What I got was Fallout seventy six and the Elder Scrolls Online. I didn't want those things. We also got Battlespire, which was a four-player uh, Elder Scrolls game. But when was this? Uh, 1996-ish. Okay. Did anybody actually <laughs> know about this aside from this particular little bit of trivia? I did. I played it. Okay. <laughs> sure. It, uh, that was. It came out after Daggerfall. Okay. And before Morrowind. Okay. Around the around the same time that they dabbled in other games like uh, Red Guard and one other weird game, they they did an adventure game and another style game in the Elder Scrolls series, which is like, again, most people have never heard of unless they go on good old games. But yeah, and then the thing I saw today, which is kind of funny, is uh, apparently in Bethesda's like online merch store, they yeah. have a oh Jesus. A, a nearly $300 Fallout 76 leather jacket, which not, you know, this isn't a WTF thing, but mostly it's been funny just because like the memes, yeah, the, 
all of the memes on Twitter have been absolutely hilarious of people like <laughs> putting like plastic bags with 76 on them and all kinds of other really funny stuff, making fun of the whole canvas bag fiasco. And that's the only yeah. reason I put it here because like you should go look at it because it's funny and it's pretty great, honestly. It's just kind of it's it's people just you know take piss out of stuff because they can and yep, you know. Take take the ribbing. I, I, you know, who knows how many they'll sell. They look, they actually look really good. Like they, because they look like basically, uh, the jumpsuit, like the the actual Fallout jumpsuits. But mm -hmm. you know, it's a leather jacket instead of the little canvas onesie jumpsuit. But it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's cool. All right, but Lops. the people that need to be yelled at even more, <laughs> like. So Activision lately has been uh, doing some really shady microtransaction stuff and like, it's bad. Like, you know, we could, we talked about some of the microtransaction stuff that Bethesda did in the, uh, in Fallout 76, but like, mm -hmm. this is, I would say worse Yeah, because it's like the idea is that it's kind of grooming for, to make future, like more egregious microtransactions. Mm -hmm tolerable because like right. the idea is that that whole phenomenon of like you know the cooking a frog where if you gradually heat up the water they you know don't realize they're being cooked to death yep kind of thing and uh so basically black ops 4 released and people bought it because it had this you know great uh battle royale mode battle royale mode added to it that people loved mm -hmm. and you know everything's cool and then a few weeks later they add a microtransaction store to the game that wasn't there at launch. And mm -hmm. people are like, wait a minute. Did you do this just to get better reviews at launch so more people would buy the game? Hmm. And so people, people, you know, all right, this is a little shady. You know, all right, I guess we'll 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 tolerate this, whatever. And then a couple of weeks ago a red circle went up for sale on their store for a dollar. Mm -hmm. It was a hundred call of duty points, which is a basically a dollar. Yeah. Um, and it's purely cosmetic and no one other than you can see it because it's a reticle for your red dot site. And instead of a dot, it's a little red circle Yeah. and it, and it's a dollar and people were yeah. like WTF. Yep. What do you, what is this? What the f are you why, doing? Why? Why are you stupid? Now, admittedly, now it's half price at fifty points, so it's only fifty mm -hmm. cents. But still, why? You know. And then, uh, last week, which you know will be a couple weeks ago when this goes live, they put another custom uh, dot site on the store, and it's a smiley face that's two dollars. Mm-hmm. And someone pointed out, and I'll put a video in the show notes of a guy talking about it. It was available in past Call of Duty games for free. Like yeah. the, a smiley face site on for your little holographic and red dot sites. And they're charging $2 for it. And one of the other reviews that I heard, because there were, is someone in the UK. So it's like a almost two pounds or it's like a, you know, a pound. 76 or pound 78 or something like mm -hmm. that in the uk and he went on steam and he's like 
I can buy indie games for the amount of money that this smiley face costs in Call of Duty. Full indie games. Yeah. For the a cost of, of a, for the cost of a smiley face. It's and it's just like it, it is like and this is what people are fed up with. This is like why, you know, why are you nickel and diming us to death for, on a $60 game? And again, if this was a completely free game, free to play, people wouldn't care because it's like cosmetic upgrades like that and cosmetic stuff like that people accept fully accept and don't care but when you when you nickel and dime little stuff like this that was used to be earnable in game used to be given away for free and now it's locked behind a paywall is when people start getting upset and yeah makes, makes us say wtf activision what i will say i will say that by contrast in a better light, um, PUBG has actually debuted a free version of PUBG called PUBG Lite. That if you have ultra low PC settings, don't really have the heavy beefy one that it requires. Uh, let's see here. Our goal for PUBG Lite is simple. Deliver the player unknowns battlegrounds experience to players in areas where the core games required specifications are more difficult to achieve due to the hardware available. To this end, the PUBG Lite team is focused on balancing lower hardware requirements without compromising our quality standards. The end result is a build that is playable even on computers and laptops utilizing integrated graphics. So the minimum system requirements are like Windows 7, 8, or 10, 64-bit, uh, an i3 2.4 gig, 4 gigs of RAM, Intel HD graphics 4000, 4, and 4 gigs of, of hard disk. The recommended is like an i5 with 2.8, 8 gigs of RAM, and like a GeForce like a GTX 660 or uh, Radeon HD 7870, which are old cards. Yeah. Really old cards. I love the idea that companies are like this saying, hey, we have this and, great game. Why don't we just... And it's free. Go? Yes. I'd, PUBG Lite is free to play. Yeah, just take it. Here, have fun. So I bet it's the mobile version of the game. I would not be surprised. One bit. I, and I honestly, bet. the mobile version is great. Yeah, have you but played the, it? The mobile version of the game I've played a little bit doesn't feature a hundred players. It has bots also. Mm -hmm. But that—that's one of the things that I bet. I'm betting that it is a basically just a recompile Port. of the mobile version yeah. of the game, and that way it you know runs a little smoother and needs lower hardware and whatnot. And that's but, fine. But yeah, again, no no complaints. Like that's no. Like I'm, I'm 100 on board with a. Here you go. Yeah. Have at it. Go have fun. Kill each other. Yeah. We don't care. <laughs> so. <laughs> so we've yeah. been an hour in this podcast, and we still Almost. haven't talked about Game Dev Tycoon. <laughs> yeah. The these these WTF moments are. Uh, we've got a lot of them. We're yeah. sorry, but we're and, not really sorry. And and to be fair, I'm really excited about Distant Worlds too. So. Uh, oh, totally yeah. understandable. I'm. I'm going to gush poetic about that for a while. So you're going to have to deal with that for the next year. <laughs> yeah. Until pretty much December. It'll be fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll be giving you updates. I'll be giving you. So updates. let's talk about game dev tycoon. I've been wanting to do this for a while because I, I remember playing it back when it first released and I actually backed the game. Like I, I, I helped get Greenheart the money to make this real because nice. I loved the idea of basically a game dev simulator. It's yeah. just such a silly concept that it just works for me. Yeah. 
and we, we've been waiting for a long time to do this because this was the game that we had on the schedule to do after uh it, it was paul's favorite game so it was basically yeah. like we were gonna play uh south park and then uh, you know we were playing this at the same time and then we were gonna do this and, episode and then the world blew and then life and, happened you know <laughs> but but it's been interesting because we've had you know well again both had time to play through it i never played the game originally like this is the first yeah. time i played it and i've also very interestingly never played it on pc nope because like a week after we agreed that we were going to play it they announced that they were releasing it on mobile for ios and i think android also yeah Yeah, and and that like it was coming out in two weeks and i was like all right sweet i'm just gonna wait and play it on my ipad (laughs) perfect and honestly, it from what you don't what you've been telling me, it's a seamless game. No, like the, nothing is lost. It is perfect for mobile, I think. So basically, if you don't know the game, it's a it you know kind of a it's a simulator tycoon game. So a lot like the Zook Tycoon and Prison Tycoon and stuff like that. Like you're making decisions on what you want the game to be. So you make different combinations of things, but which we'll talk about here in a minute. Uh, but essentially, the only things you ever do are tap selection buttons and slide sliders. So it is absolutely perfect for mobile. There's nothing complicated going on. Like you don't need joystick controls or anything. Like this is absolutely perfect for devices. And I've been playing it on my phone all day as kind of like a refresher to like, because I haven't played it in a you know, a month or two. Uh, but so I you know, picked it up today and I started playing through it to just to kind of remind myself how everything works. And uh, it's been great on phone. Like I highly recommend it, especially if you have a, a like a slightly larger phone because of mine, it's like, I don't know, six plus inches diagonal. So right. I have the iPhone nine. So yeah, yeah. The, uh, yeah, it looks great on it. works really good on an iPad too. If you have like a full size iPad, it looks really good. Mm-hmm. And like very, very minimal animations going on. But for the most part, it's, you know, you select things and you hit go and then you it wait a little bit thing. and then you select some more things and you hit go. <laughs> and it, it does is, the thing. Exactly. It, it's, I think it loses some, some things graphically maybe, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not entirely not sure because I haven't because, seen it because it's 2d like it all of its 2d art like there's nothing I don't think there's anything for it to lose graphically um I it's got like basically the the most I'm sure there's some animations of people like typing yeah. and stuff at the desk and That's like, what I was thinking. You, you can you can see that like it's there uh but the other thing that happens is like I don't know if this happens on pc because this might be different but like as you're working, each of the little workers, like as they the bubbles, the artistic bubbles and stuff, yeah. like float up to the top of the screen. Yeah, that happens on yep. PC. So I, I'm huh. pretty sure it's almost exactly the same. It's probably just a direct port with a different menu. Probably. I mean, it just because the it's it's an incredibly lightweight game. I think it's it took me less than three seconds to download. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I can tell you how big it is on mobile if you give me a couple minutes, but yeah, it's it's definitely a tiny game. I mean, um, let's see here for 
All right, I'm scrolling through too for Game Dev Tycoon. Take a look at what the size is. Properties. 181 and a half megabytes. I can't imagine it's much larger than that. <laughs> I, 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 unfortunately, Steam doesn't allow very much in the way of 158. Yeah. <laughs> so slightly less on yeah. iOS and Android. <laughs> anyway, so it, it's basically so the way Game Dev Tycoon works, it takes you from essentially the advent of the original Nintendo with uh oh no it, it goes earlier than that it goes further than that no it does it, it, pc and commodore um, 64 yeah commodore 64 or what was it uh the g64 the, the g64 uh so from there it goes all the way up to the uh play system 5 and the mbox next yes. <laughs> so basically the next generation of consoles that are going to come out it goes almost uh i think it was 35 years or it could go up to 42 depending on what difficulty you went with yeah so basically there's three different difficulties in the game there's one that's 30 years which is the slightly harder version because you have less time to earn money yeah uh there's 35 years which is normal yep and then there's yeah it's either 40 or 42 i think it was like that's, 42 it's easy because you have again more time to earn Plenty money. Of time yeah and uh, there's plenty of time to do money, earn money, do research, build your own. Uh, uh, you can even get to a point where you build your own console. Yeah, it's 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 very crazy. interesting. It's it's a I, very interesting take on how game development is done. Yeah, and and there's some really good stuff because they like you know make fun of the Ouya, which was a crowdfunded. Uh, it's it's console. a blip for like less than a, a year. Yeah. There's a an Android based console that someone made on Kickstarter and they were selling it for like a hundred bucks and I think yeah. Razor bought it eventually in yep. real life. Yep. Um and turned it into one the of Razor their, tablet. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. You know, like the Razor the Razor console top or something like that, like yeah. the, the TV top. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. It, long, it, long story short, it, it was short lived and silly. Yeah. Um so the other interesting thing that this game is kind of known for uh, and that there's kind of like a little bit of a controversy around is that they actually took a big stance against game piracy yep. by building a joke into the game. So the original PC version of the game would actually do a check somehow like they built it into the system to check whether or not it was legitimately purchased or it was a pirate pirated copy of the game yep and if it determined that it was a pirated copy of the game it would change the way that the game actually worked and your your game studio in the game would have all of their games pirated and would have this really big problem with piracy and stuff. And you would lose more and more and more revenue to piracy until you eventually go bankrupt. Right. Or you have the option to keep fighting the piracy by developing more and more digital rights management. Yep. But the more digital rights management you use, the more it pisses off your fans and you lose fans, which is also (laughs) important to the game. Yep. And the amazingly brilliant part of this is that you 
periodically would get angry fan emails for all of the digital rights management and stuff. Yeah. And the emails are actually verbatim quotes that the company that built the game received for their pirated mode and digital rights management they put in the game which i think is absolutely brilliant right of note you can also do this on the pc version just in case you were wondering if that was a, a an option i'm pretty sure that these are honestly there's no difference between the two yeah it's just there, visual differences yeah there, there is when you start a game there's like three there's a few things you can do you name your your company yep you name yourself name yourself you pick, choose your difficulty pick you pick gender you pick mm -hmm. your hair and your yep. outfit and then you yeah you pick your difficulty like how long how many years you want the game to last and, and then there's a, another option that's just you can turn on pirate mode or leave it off I love that they added that in because they, they originally did that and didn't put it in and then eventually added it at, from popular request because they, people thought it was so funny. Yeah, uh, and I assume there's probably an achievement for it. I want to say there is. Um, let me check real quick. But, so it's on a lot of achievements still. Oh yeah, the, who knows? Do, 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 do. Oh, there's a bunch of hidden achievements. So, Oh yeah, against all odds it's called. Beat all odds and finish the game in pirate mode. Nice. Yeah, that, that's got to be hard. Oh, it's got to be insane. And and we'll talk about this in a little bit. It, it's actually can be really difficult to make it to the end of 35 years. Yeah, it can absolutely be difficult. Because there's, I, I, I there's up, a thing uh, you, you hit or that I hit a couple of <laughs> earlier today that I sent Paul a really funny picture of yeah. where uh, I got in a weird because I, I timed a research poorly and spent too much money and ended up having to borrow money and then just got into this huge death spiral of having to constantly borrow money and repaying yep. it at poor times and having yeah. to borrow more money and like yeah eventually it's just like real life yeah eventually just went in the tubes and had to had to call it a day uh but let's talk about how the game works <laughs> so yeah. when you start the game i Actually, one more question about PC versus mobile. So in mobile, when you start a new game, you have the option to keep all of your research from prior playthroughs. Mm -hmm. Is that also the case in the PC version? I haven't tried. Yeah, because like that's the first thing it says is like, hey, do you want to keep all of your prior research or start like start over, start over? Hmm. I have not tried. Okay. But now you have me curious. <laughs> Yeah, I just fired it up. Not even sorry. Yeah, I can I can see. Steam just told me. Yes. What's uh, Paul playing? Here. It's now playing. Game Dev Tycoon. Um Okay. It doesn't say anything about keeping research. Like you it tells unlock your hints. Yeah, that one. Does it tell you to it says unlock like, hints, but that's about it. But that does that what it tells you? Does it say like you can keep all the hints that you got from previous characters? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's okay. it. Okay, so it is the same. Yeah, that like that sounds like it's exactly the same on mobile, but and mobile's super I mean sure the PC version's cheap now too, but I think the mobile version might be like four dollars, five dollars. I think I paid yeah, for it. It's the game dev tycoon version on PC is currently well, normally ten bucks, it's currently four dollars. Yeah. Cool. All yeah. Right. So the way it works. When you first start the game, 
you are randomly, I think, given four starting genres that you can make for games. Yes. And you, you're, a, you're a garage programmer. You start yes. it out of your own garage as your office. And there are a metric boatload of genres in this game. Like it is almost ridiculous how many genres there are. I think it's probably getting close to 50. And it's just. I want to yeah. say it's around there. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've, I can scroll for a while when I'm going through the list. Yeah. For example, like, I mean, and it's, it's everything you would think a game would be like, so there's like just random examples. There's, you know, city building, there's comedy games, cyberpunk games, uh, evolution games, extreme sports, fantasy, medieval, superheroes, time travel, horror, you know, and where what what you do is you pick a genre and then combine it with one of six styles of games. So there's action, adventure, RPG, simulation, strategy, and eventually you learn casual. Mm-hmm. But you start with five. So you start with action, adventure, RPG, simulation, and strategy. And so you have these permutations of games that you can make for the two systems you have access to at the beginning. And then as you build a game, you get you make design choices in the game. So in the first stage, you choose between... And these are where the sliders come in. So you have X amount of time to develop your game. And in stage one of game development, you put time into designing the engine, designing right. gameplay, or designing story slash quests. Right. And you adjust the sliders of how much time you want to spend on each one. Yep. And then stage two rolls around and you get dialogue, level design, and AI. Mm-hmm. And then when stage three rolls around, it's world design, graphics, and sound. Yep. And then depending on the research that you've done throughout it, you get you kind of have other options you can tag on and off, like save games and yeah. different graphics engines and sound, whether you're doing mono or stereo or just basic or bleeps and bloops. Arthroscopic 3D or something like that. Yeah. There's, there's also other... Um, other stuff you can put in like it you as you gain more and more familiarity with the the, the game type it'll give you this is plus 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 uh like you, yeah. you really should put more time in this yeah. or less time in this etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. and there's also in the um as you're going through sometimes you'll have someone come in and interview you like hey would you like to do an interview yeah. and you're like yeah sure why not and they're like well the industry generally agrees that this this and this what do you think should be done and then you like it, it gives you kind of like two different options. Uh, is it like a um, an action game with story and uh, quests, or uh, an RPG with uh, with uh, better sound? Like what do you, what do you invest your most your time in? And you choose from one of the options, and generally it's pretty easy to figure out yeah. which one you should be doing. And they would like, oh, people generally agree with this, and you can either gain fans or lose fans depending on that. There's a lot of little mini games. Not many games, yeah. but many questions to gain fans. It's like, hey, what is most more important to your new sports game that you're working on? Gameplay or sound? <laughs> it's like, uh, it's 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 silly gameplay? stuff like that. Yeah, it's silly stuff like that. There's also, um, or as you, I don't know, one of the options also like I don't, uh, know. I don't know is not an option in the PC. Oh, it is in the. Uh, it is not. 
some of the questions like that on the mobile one there is you can actually just say i don't know huh i'll be dipped that's neat which is kind of funny and i don't know if that gives you any kind of bonus or anything because i know if you like so it's interviews like that are used to for marketing for the games so like uh -huh. if, if so you're developing hype. something that like you know if you're developing an action game and it's like graphics or something that make an action game perform better yeah. and your choice is between like story and quests and graphics which stories apparently don't make action games sell better um yeah. and but graphics do and you pick graphics it'll generate more hype for your game and more people yeah. will eventually yeah. buy it which is yeah you know, so so there's a, a certain hype meter and as you grow in popularity or go to the uh, I'm sorry. Is it G3 in this, or yes. I know it's a parody of E3? It's like it's, everything in this game is a parody, and it's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's wonderful, honestly. And uh, so you go to G3, and you you can invest in a small booth, either a a table, a small booth, or a large booth. Yeah. And uh, eventually, you'll you'll get enough money. You get the large booth, and your quest is to become the number one booth in the entire G3. And for you can eventually. Uh, get to a point where it's just a given that you will be the largest booth at g3 yeah it goes from like for the 19 like the early 80s until the future from today when uh the next my, uh, xbox or uh PlayStation playstation console comes out yeah yes yeah you you definitely there's a lot of time you can sink into this game yeah and then like between making games you do research on like improving your game development unlocking new genres to make games in improving uh, your engine that you're yeah, going to research uh, and develop eventually you you take the stuff that you've researched so if you're like oh hey i want to learn how to make stereo sound so you make stereo sound well then you have to build an entirely new engine that actually uses the stereo sound and incorporates yep. all of this other stuff and uh like, yeah, it's it's really interesting, like some of the choices you have to make with that. And then eventually you have to like manage employees and give them yep. time off and train them to improve their skills. And always you like you basically do postmortems on your game to learn from them, to learn like what performs better. Yep. Um there's, there's 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 a surprising amount of depth to the game that makes it, it really, really complex. Uh really quickly if you're you know not paying attention and, and it's especially easy to fall into a pitfall of not making enough money off of games and then moving into a new office to hire new employees and then having to pay for the the rent for that office as well as the new employees and then yeah. just into a a fatal spiral of oh gosh i've spent too much money please help yeah that, that's eventually what happened to me was uh like that that gameplay the game that i sent you the stuff on that i went into the death spiral on is i i upgraded and then i quickly picked up three employees and then each employee was making like 30 grand a month and yep. like the the rent was 30 grand a month so it's like just i'm hemorrhaging like a hundred thousand dollars a month and trying to like build these games that are making me like a couple million dollars and so, so you went the id software route yeah basically <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the it's, sorry, Ed Software. We still love you. Yes, I still love you. <laughs> um, but there's also the like as you if, 
evolve your engine and get new new and better versions of it you can choose to give away the engine sell the engine to your fans or yeah. uh not do it at all and they'll eventually pirate the engine yeah so but, and you can also like there's also weird things that have crop up in the game where like fans will start making fan-made games based on your technology and like yep. using your assets and stuff yeah. like that yeah. and they give you a choice to like have your lawyers tell them yeah. to stop or you know let you know ignore them and let them keep going and like what do you what do you do in those situations so in a lot of them like lately i've just been saying like you know hey it's cool because like so the uh, basically the the gist is like i think you end up i don't know what what ends up happening if you tell them to stop but if you if you kind of ignore them and let them keep making their game like you get more fans mm-hmm. because people are like oh this company is really cool which is the same thing if you if you open source your source code when it gets old, yep, like you gain a lot they, more fans. You get a lot more fans because they they love you for making your source code open. Yeah, so I don't know. It's kind of cool. That that is a tip. Do those things seriously because the the other options you'll generally lose fans. Yeah, because they think a you're lot of fans. An ass corporation. Yep. <laughs> but I don't they'll know, basically like, think you're yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My my last few playthroughs, I haven't even been like ma- like just. I one of the fun things in the game is like making joke names for all of the stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I also think it's funny that like there's a research task eventually to make a sequel to a game. Yes, but the funny part is like if you're anything like me, all of your games have been sequels to one another. Like you've been calling them like, you know truck of doom three and <laughs> truck of doom four and truck of yeah, doom yeah. five and then like oh i can make sequels now uh so what have i been doing so far so so long story with that long story short with that is that it actually gives you the ability to hype it up even further because people yeah, are just yeah, yeah. a new sequel just okay pro tip for you guys don't make sequels too close together or yes. people will get tired of them very quickly and you'll lose fans and the game will be critically panned Yep. I'm looking at you, Assassin's Creed. Yes. Basically, the the biggest tip in the game is to like never repeat a genre or a style of game. So if if you make, you know, like a comedy casual game, your next mm-hmm. game shouldn't be a comedy game and it shouldn't be a casual game. It, both of those things need to change. So like the next game, you make a transportation simulation game. Yeah. And then you, you make you know, like a survival horror game or so so you can do those action game. The thing with it is is that you need to be very precise on where you put your sliders. So as as you gain more experience with those, you can do like a a comedy game, but just don't make it a casual game. You can continue doing the same type of games. It's just that you have to change one of the values, not just both. Yes. But yeah, you you make the most difference when you change both. At least that's yes, the, absolutely. That's the advice that I was given. Yep, and it's it's very good advice. I'm just saying that it's possible to do so. You just have to be very experienced at the game and know what the heck you're doing. So don't try and do that until a little while down the line when you realize that hey, I've beaten the game. I'm pretty adept at this. Yeah, it's it's fun. I, I enjoy I, it. I definitely enjoy it. It's it's fun to just kind of putz around with for a little bit. Yeah, it's definitely like great on mobile. I, I would, I would almost advise buying it on mobile rather than on PC. But again, I've never played it on PC. But I'm 
you know, it's a, evidently is the exact same experience. So it is a very similar experience. I like the PC interface, but I also can see where it is absolutely perfect for a mobile interface. And it mm. seems like it'd be a great pooping game. Yes. Because you can just consume it really quickly and just go back to whatever you need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can, I can agree there. <laughs> so what do you think? Is there a lot of replay value to it? And that was that was my going to be my question to you. Um, How much replay value do you feel there is for the game? Because there's a point where once you learn the nuts and bolts that are going on behind the scenes, it seems very formulaic. It is incredibly formulaic. So, like, once you learn that like for example the only things that matter when you're making a casual game are gameplay level design graphics and then to a lesser degree sound yeah and like you know that no matter when you make a casual game those are the things you focus on Mm -hmm. like I, does that make the game more boring to you or i mean is it worth still playing just to see how much money you can make when you min max things even better so there's there's going to be a point where you're going to have done all the things like you're going to have a point you're going to get to a point where you're like okay i've done everything um i think i'm done however i think there is replay value in the fact that getting to a point where you can do all those things within the 42, 35, or 30-year time limit, yeah, that's where things are going to get replay value. Like challenging yourself, coming up yeah. with new challenges for the game. That's where the replay value comes from, not necessarily from the formulaic uh, gameplay because it does get to a point where you're like, hey, I know this, this, and this. Like These are the sliders where I need to put them, and I'm yeah. good. One of the things that I did earlier today is I challenged myself on a playthrough to do... Uh, to only use the four genres you start with that's so a like, great challenge never research any more stuff just always start with those four types and basically you have to micromanage switching back and forth between them but then it also like really you super heavy on rng on what those four ones you start with are um and then one of the things that i noticed that was kind of funny is that like sometimes things don't make sense um for example uh a lot of the early consoles Mm -hmm. the best uh genre to make for them is casual games right but the best style of game is a casual game right including the game boy which is called the gameling i think yes yes um it is one of the genres that makes really good casual games is dancing games I made a dancing game for the gameling <laughs> and it made like three or four million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that would work. Like, <laughs> how does a dancing game work for the original monochrome Game Boy? <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man. I got nothing. I got nothing. I don't, I have no idea either, but it entertained me so much that I had to do it. Sure. I'm sold. I'd give it a shot. I can't guarantee it'd be good, but like, I'd play it. Like I, just, I don't even know what that gameplay would be like because the I, only like when I think about dancing game, I think about games like you know DDR, obviously, just dance, 
20 whatever year it is uh samba de amigo is might be the the weirdest dancing game i can think of which isn't really a dancing game it's just a rhythm game but like like those are the dance games i think of like pump it up and ddr and yeah let's dance yeah <laughs> but, but like i don't know how that would work for a game boy yeah like like the the wii's just wii's just dance at least she had the like the two you know wands yeah uh but it made me laugh so much to make that game i, I don't even know <laughs> I, I, I i'm trying to wrap my head around that honestly would it be like a Guitar Hero thing, or <laughs> like it, it got like nine rated nine stars from people, and they're like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" Oh, actually, uh, yeah, that would probably be the good thing. Like, maybe it's just a a, a rhythm game, really. Yeah, you just <laughs> yeah, but I have Jesus. no idea how it would be an actual dancing game, which is I don't what know, makes man. me laugh. Oh, it was so good. And it's the funny part is like reading the reviews that are coming back like, this is the most amazing combination of things I've ever played in my life. And it's like, are you, are you sure? This, Have you played anything stuff. else ever? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so good. Makes me laugh so much. But yeah, like, but that's what I think is one of the fun things about this game. And one of the things I think it would actually be really good for this game mm. is if you had a decent size audience for streaming, this would be perfect. Yeah. Because as you're playing it, people can throw out suggestions. People can name games. They can, you know, you can make, you know, funny, funny stuff like sequel names and all kinds of other ridiculousness. And like, you could have a lot of fun with audience interaction with this one, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. It'd be a lot like um, playing deal or no deal kind of thing where people yeah. suggest uh, various items. Um, honestly, I would absolutely recommend just giving it a playthrough. I mean, yeah. even at 10 bucks, it's still worth your time for PC. And definitely the mobile seems like a great experience too. I, I yeah. mean, I'd, I'd, play it. Let me see if I can find out what it actually costs right now on I, iOS. Here, I'll just look it up on Android real quick. Got my phone right with me. Uh, looks like it's four ninety nine. Yep, five bucks on uh, on Android as well. And you can see some screenshots on there too. Yeah, like it's a nice WYSIWYG situation. Yeah, it's got eight thousand ratings and it's four point nine out of five stars. Like, yeah, the visuals are slightly different, but it looks it's Game Dev Tycoon. I mean, that's. Yeah, it's which what you get. It's very, very colorful mm -hmm. and a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. It's it's definitely just a fun little kind of you know, you're chilling on the couch and you got some time, click some things. Have enjoy. That's interesting. What? So I'm sorry, I'm looking through my phone real quick, and this is just a complete aside. Uh Wargroove is coming out fairly soon for PC, Switch, and Xbox One. It's gonna have crossplay between them at launch. Okay. Which is neat. Like the, this doesn't happen often. I, I don't know what Wargroove is. Uh, it's a strategy game from the developers who made, who helped out making um, farm game Stardew Valley. Oh, uh, yeah. chocolate chucklefish. Anyway, uh, you've anything else to go with for Game Dev Tycoon? No, I, I 
I thought it was a lot of fun. I definitely recommend it for mobile, especially for five bucks. Like, uh, it's for the. It is. It is worth. It is a definitely worth five dollars. You'll get five dollars yeah, out of this. Game yeah, I, I mean, it's worth the same. It's worth the regular price on PC as well, which is ten bucks. Although you're getting going to get a different experience, I don't think it's going to be a diminished experience. So probably play it on mobile. It's <laughs> this this review. Oh, holy crap! This review is ridiculously long. But I was just like the first couple was like, first off, this is an awesome game. I now have more respect for game creators, and dang, competition is tough. <laughs> and then there's like <laughs> just going on this big rant about employees and all kinds of other crazy stuff. Nice, nice. Uh, it's great. But yeah, definitely, definitely worth picking up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, at either price point, yeah, I don't think you'd regret it, yeah. especially if you like any sort of tycoon game. Yes, but and again, highly recommend picking it up for mobile because it, even if like like I said, if you have a decent sized screen on your phone, it's great. Yeah, absolutely. All right. If you want to get in contact with us, hit us up. Oh, ah, 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 ah. We have to, uh, we need to have a little talk. Mm. We have a, have another game to pick. Oh, all right. I'm interested. Tell me more. How do you feel about our next game being Subnautica? Having not played it, I'm interested. I watched you play it for a bit. Now, yeah, yeah, I'm willing to give it a shot. Yeah, sure. Why not? All right. So, for our next game that we'll play for our, <laughs> you know, game corner, we're gonna do Subnautica because, well, one, Epic gave it away, and yeah, it was free. You, it's a good game, and we should play it. Sure, I'll give it a shot. I haven't played it yet, but I'll probably stream it. Yeah, they actually have a big uh, expansion hitting, well, like a spinoff game hitting early access here in the next couple weeks so that's interesting too. all right it's uh interesting it takes place on one of the poles of the planet and where oh, okay. there's just tons of ice and stuff so okay it's kind of yeah. an interesting idea fair enough i wish yeah. it was uh, multiplayer yeah that was my that is my only thing that i'm like this game seems like it would be fun multiplayer probably because it reminds me very much of like any of the other survival crafting games yes that's just you're doing this alone. Good freaking luck. Well, I'm we'll sure there's talk, a reason for that. But we'll, talk yeah, we'll about definitely that we'll definitely talk about it. But I don't think the game would be as creepy if you had other people there with you, because the game yeah. gets, the game gets very creepy just because it's water. Like there's open ocean yeah. is creepy, especially when you can't see yeah. the bottom and you don't know what danger is lurking. And it's, that's fair. Has some tricks that give you claustrophobia and yeah, it's. It's fantastic in that capacity. All right. So next game we're doing is Subnautica. Um, if you uh, want to get in touch with us, uh, feel free to send us an email at the podcast at loadedcardgaming.com email. Uh, if you want to reach me, I am at P-A-U-L-C-L-E-W-E-L-L -L -L on Twitter. At, uh, Dan Norton over there runs at Loaded Cart and at Chop the Viking. And if you want to see us uh, stream, I do Monday through Friday, uh, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And on Fridays, I usually go until about midnight with D&D. &D. And it's over at twitch.tv slash what's Paul playing today. And uh, he's over at twitch.tv slash chop the Viking. What is your stream schedule, sir? So I know it changes a little bit to your name. Yeah, uh, I changed it to it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday from 
about 10 p.m. Eastern until I stop, which is usually around midnight-ish. Fair enough. And if you want to find us on social media, all the links are in the show notes at uh, lodocartgaming.com. And if you love us, please consider leaving a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you're listening to us. It really does help us uh, help other people find the show, helps us grow, and uh, word of mouth. Honestly, we don't currently pay to uh, advertise or anything like that, so it's the biggest thing you can do to help us out. Just listening, giving us a review, all that stuff. It's great things. And please uh, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash gaming. and if you could remind us where the merch is. Uh, the merch is now officially available at loadedcardgaming.com slash merch. Perfect. Indeed. And if there's nothing else? Uh, the only thing I would throw out is uh, this is our fourth episode back. So after this episode goes live, I think we will be turning the Patreon back on. Yep. And if it's cool with you, I think the idea we should do is basically just we'll charge per episode since we're putting out about one episode a month. Sounds good to me. That way it won't be a monthly. Well, it'll be a monthly thing, but uh, let us know if you'd rather us do it on just like the first of the month or just every time we release a new episode, because then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'd probably be a little bit more predictable to do first of the month, but yeah. it's really up to you guys. Uh, tweet at us or send us an email at uh, podcastloadcardgaming.com. And if there's nothing else, no, that'll be it. All right, folks. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. And here's some smooth jazz to play you out. Yeah, I mean, uh, you sure. picked it up from the Epic Store, right? Uh, maybe. Oh, good lord! <laughs> <laughs> Paul, what are you doing, man? <laughs> He's checking. I need to, to remember sure. the fucking. I need to remember what I what I used here. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I signed in with. Okay. Signing in now. Apparently, I used Google. Okay, come on. Open, 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 open. Open now. Uh, games library. Yes, it's there. I promise. Right. See, see, eh, eh, right there. Beautiful. So yeah, sure. Why not? All right. So for our next game that we'll play for our, <laughs> you know, game corner. We're going to do Subnautica.